The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is Wayne Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, and I am enjoying a tall glass of skunk milk. That's... <laughs> Why? I don't know. We were, Why? We were talking about skunk meat or something right before we started up, so you I You were talking to... about these things. I had no part of this. You were in the room with me, which means we were talking about it. That's... I just roped you into my strangeness. I'm not sure if my me name is... telling you not to talk about something qualifies as us talking about something. Uh, that, that counts. Definitely. That's like me my telling name you is... not to jump off a cliff is jumping off a cliff. Sure. I'll take it. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic of some stripe. I was about to say renown, but I have no renown whatsoever. Not, no, really. not, not even credibility, even. Neither of us. I'm, I'm barely, like, like <laughs> approved on Twitter. <laughs> like, I got one of those check marks, and I don't uh, know you, why. You, you have you have a good number of followers, I'd I don't say. Have that. You, there are people who have way more followers than me, who are way more famous than me, who mm-hmm. have accomplished way more than me, who are not verified on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. absurd. I, I don't understand the standards they use. I don't and know. I don't think they're accepting applications right now for for validation i don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> so whatever but you have one you should brag about that you have the blue check mark yeah you should get a little embossed pin or something <laughs> just get that check mark yeah get a little check mark wearing around like pin. the prisoner yeah or or, or on, a, on a chain on a big leather pouch like a, a really cool detective like the check is in negative space and that's what the chain goes through that'd be hot. yeah i yeah, interviewed yeah. matt damon once okay and uh it was all about um that this movie he wrote about uh, oh God! What was it? He wrote this movie that was about like fracking. Oh, it was the uh, Higher Ground. Yeah, he he it was or, a Gus Van Sant film. Was it Higher Ground? Whatever. Not, he not Higher Ground. Whatever it was Homeland. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, home is where the ground is. <laughs> anyway, I asked him like, because he co-wrote it, and mm. I asked him like, what's uh. When you're co-writing something, do you ever just, like, when you're having an argument, like, whip out the Oscar? Just like, incidentally, <laughs> I won an Oscar for writing. Uh-huh. And he was just like, no, I wear it around a chain. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the whole time. Promised Land. That was Promised the name of the Land, movie. Of course. What, you, what, a rem- what a memorable title. Who could forget uh-huh. the great movie Promised Land. Uh, even Gus Van Sant has forgotten about that movie. It was a Gus Van Sant joint. It was a Gus Van Sant joint. Like, he's a, a notable director yeah. who has done some very quality films. He's done some he bad was, ones, too, but he was who free hasn't? that month. It's not a bad movie. It's just sort of like, oh. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fracking. That sucks. Yeah, it does. It's not good. Ripping up the countryside. Kind of a problem. Mm hmm. We reviewed TV okay. shows that lasted okay. only one season. We got off on a weird tangent right away. Uh, we That's TV what we do. I know. That's our selling point. Is it? Well, what? If not, we need to make it a selling point. <laughs> Welcome to the Tangent Podcast, where uh, we get off track every episode. Oh, God, that means we're on track. 
no, no, no. Change the subject quick. Every okay, so we're back. We're canceled too soon. Mm. TV series less than one season or less. And every episode in the month of January is curated by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, Patreon subscribers. You guys rock. Patreon.com slash cancel too soon. Uh, and everybody from the lowest tier on up uh, gets to vote for at least one episode per month. And in the month of January, we really want to give everybody a thank you, give everybody an opportunity to choose and curate and tell us what kind of shows you want us to review on the program. So every single week, whole bunch of shows y'all picked one mm-hmm. and this week uh your options were all private detective shows and there were some cool ones that you didn't pick <laughs> not, <laughs> well we, we gave the, you we gave you, you all a lame one but we gave you we gave you all cool ones and a few that yeah. we knew were going to be painful for us and yeah because uh, we know those are more fun for you we got uh partners in crime with uh, linda carter and i think lonnie anderson mm-hmm. uh that was that kind of forgotten but i think it sounds neat tucker's witch uh which was about a private detective whose wife is a Witch. It's like Bewitched, the detective series. It's a great pitch. Right. Uh, but that's not what y'all picked. No, you picked actually, and it's actually one of the more commonly requested programs. Yeah, it, it's one of our more requested shows. Uh, a lot of people uh, were apparently a big fan of it. Uh, not enough, apparently, to keep it going. <laughs> but let's take a look. Let's take a look at the sci fi original series based on the popular novels by Jim Butcher The Dresden Files. Meet Harry Dresden. When police have a crime they can't solve, they call him. He doesn't carry a badge and doesn't need a gun because he has a different kind of power. Harry Dresden, wizard. If you need a cop, call 911. If you need a miracle, call Harry Dresden. Go out there and do whatever mumbo-jumbo it is you do and get me a suspect. The Dresden Files, a sci-fi channel original series. The uh, Dresden Files. Uh, since uh, that little bumper gave you absolutely no information. Uh, you know he's a wizard and he helps cops. He's a, you're a wizard, Harry. Um, okay, so Harry Dresden is wizard. Yeah. His mom was witch. His dad was a huckster. And it, a, it, was a, it was a stage magician. He was a stage magician yeah. who... Uh, as we see early in the series, used his son's nascent magical powers to improve his stage act, like from the audience. Uh, but I think it was kind of like that Twilight Zone episode with the kid and the boxer. I don't think he was like behind it. I think the kid was just doing it. He looked oh. as surprised as anybody to me. Oh, I thought like they had planned that. It's like no. I, I have because there's a, a scene where he's like, "Hey, I'm going to show you my big finale," and the kid like floats something on stage. I, but I got the. But here's the thing: all of his tricks were like the kind of tricks you'd find in like. You know, a child's playset, and mm. now I have two rings, and now there's one ring. Mm. Ha ha! And everyone's going, oh, God. Mm. And then Harry Dresden, you know, junior, like the 11 year old version of him, just does a little doo 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 doo. And uh, then, like, the, the rings float, like, <laughs> all over the place, and it's vaguely impressive. And everyone's just like, ooh, he really did save the best for last. He should probably um, learn more than one good trick. Yeah. <laughs> so g- give us a few vital, uh, some of the vitals before we get okay. into the actual nitty-gritty of so, the, the uh, plot. The Dresden Files mm-hmm. aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, back when it was actually spelled Sci-Fi and not Sci-Fi. Um, I know why they did it. You can't copyright the phrase sci-fi. I know, mm. but it's lame, and it really which, does. But you sound should like be able disease. to, because you know where it came from. Uh, Hugo Gernsback, uh, of whom the namesake of the Hugo Awards, mm. um, came up with the same. Well, he, he came up with the phrase "scientifiction." He thought that was really like scientific fiction. Yeah, no, and science in, fiction in sort of bad. like a, a science fiction magazine. Yeah, and, that's a and terrible portmanteau. It, eventually, it just sort of shortened to science fiction, and then eventually to sci-fi. And 
that estate has perhaps has the rights to that. Uh-huh. They should copyright sci-fi. Probably Maybe they should. tried to, and that's why sci-fi became Siffy. Uh, perhaps, but yeah, you're right. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't really brand it the way they wanted to. They couldn't own it the way they wanted to. Also, it gave them the opportunity to branch out and do non-science fiction shows like wrestling. They finally put wrestling yeah. on the sh- on the network. Great. That, that's exactly why I want to go to a science. I would have been fine if they'd added sci-fi to the wrestling, like in the middle of a match, a whole bunch like of a like aliens land, in, and they yeah. had to fight all the aliens. That'd have been cool, right? Uh, in just, any case, just use motion capture. Have the wrestling match be totally straight. It's gotta be live. and then replace motion capture. Just have them all in suits. That's more fun. All right. Well, that's that's just lucha libre at that point. That's fine. I'm just saying. It's got a, <laughs> We're just kind of science fiction in itself. Wrestling has a narrative. Give it a sci-fi narrative. Mm. Oh no, they brainwashed the audience. They're all going to come in and wrestle us. <laughs> uh, the Dresden Files aired from January 21st, 2015 through April 15th. 2015. It aired in other markets at different times. That's the American uh, uh, time slot. Uh, it was developed by, uh, beyond the novels, a uh, couple of fellows named Hans Beimler. Wait, 2015? Oh, 2005. Sorry. Yeah. I wrote that down weird. No, it's 2007. It's 2007. How did I get all that wrong? I'm not sure. <laughs> How did I get that wrong? Yeah. This, well, I'm an this idiot. This is from, from January 21st to April 15th, 2007. I clearly ran. wrote it down wrong. Okay. <laughs> Noted. It's all right. It's all we're right. Not gonna, you know, we're not going to We're not going to edit that out. Nope. Leave we're it in. Gonna, you know what? We're all, we're all human, aren't we? <laughs> except uh, So it ran on the Sci-Fi Sergio. Channel. Ran on the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm. It was developed by Hans Beimler, uh, who is probably best known for working on and producing Star Trek The Next Generation mm. and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He also co-created or, or co-produced mm. the Cancel Too Soon series The Middleman, yeah, uh, which has a lot of requests as well. Yeah. And uh, the other creator was Robert Hewitt Wolf, who is also a Star Trek guy. Yeah, He also did um, Andromeda, which mm-hmm. was one of the... Uh, Vaguely successful but less popular G. Roddenberry series that they made to series after his death. Right. Uh, he was also behind the Cancel Too Soon series The Gates, which is about a gated community full of monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starcrossed, which was like a YA sci fi Romeo and Juliet weekly series. Uh, and But more recently, he's actually behind the hit series Elementary, which is the American oh, okay. Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. Um, so good for them. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Uh, we'll talk about the cast uh, in a minute. But yeah, the basic premise of Harry Dresden and the Dresden Files is he's a, a wizard for hire. You can go in off the street. You need a wizard. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, he ends up doing private detective shtick. And he's a consultant for the Chicago Police Department whenever they have a spooky case. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've seen a lot of this before. I mean, I, I was trying to think of an earlier example of this before Kolchak the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. Like, who who is the er example of... Of the regular or just the person who ex, uh, uh, detects and uh, well, like, like helps out the police and tries to investigate like extraordinary or uh, paranormal phenomena. Take away paranormal, Sherlock mm. Holmes basically invented that. Well, uh, I mean, Sherlock Holmes invented the sort of the modern detective story. Well, I'm talking about. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. The the police consultant. Mm. trope that's a very specific trope that goes as far back as sherlock holmes that ended up being co-opted like almost immediately into all kinds of pulp in fact uh, you can even go i don't know i don't think he ended up like he was doing like consulting work mm. but harry houdini had a whole bunch of like short stories written about him where he was investigating supernatural yeah. phenomena and in fact some of them were ghost written by howard phillips lovecraft Oh, one of nice. the most uh, famous mm. horror authors who ever lived he uh... um but yeah then we had the whole mm. pulp phenomenon uh in mm. the 30s and 40s where there was a lot of characters like the Shadow who kind of towed that line between the supernatural 
and yeah. sort of familiar detective pulp. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Kolchak certainly is the more most popular, obvious example. Mm. Of this. I'm sure there's yeah, more if you go back to comic books. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, that, you're you're starting to sort of scatter the actual premise. Um, this mm. is a very solid, very traceable premise that goes straight back to Kolchak, mm-hmm. where it's a guy on the streets of a modern day city who is examining <clears throat> and investigating. Crimes committed by fantasy creatures. Yes, uh, and, and not that, like and not like only one time, and it's weird and, to him. And, He's an expert in it, and it's modern television. And I think Kolchak the Night Stalker might be the start of this, and it has been repeated time and time and time and time again. Uh, you know, up up to and through the X Files, extending into Special Unit Two, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then heading into the Dresden Files. So it's essentially supposed to be one of the many series about the juxtaposition of applying like modern day crime and detective techniques to strange phenomenon. Right. The, I'm not sure how much of a twist it is to have the investigator also be a sort of a fantasy creature unto himself. He's it's, not, he's not a monster, but he's a wizard and yeah. he speaks like a modern guy. He dresses in modern leather jacket, dude, garb yeah uh doesn't really look <laughs> really right on him he's a wizard i think he should be a little bit stranger no. they try to make him too much like an ordinary blue collar guy well we need to talk about the characterization mm-hmm. of him we'll, we'll get to that in a minute i, I want to say i think what's interesting to me and i'm gonna just come around and say it mm-hmm. neither whitney and i have or nor i have read the books these are based on no there's gonna be a lot of fans of the dresden files the book series who are mm-hmm. probably gonna be listening to this episode who are gonna be yelling at us when we get continuity wrong etc mm-hmm. but even jim butcher himself and i did look this up mm-hmm. said that the show is a different thing the okay. show, there's a lot of overlap. You know, they they adapted some of the novels into like episodes. The pilot is uh, based on the first book, yeah, uh, or the what should have been the pilot, but actually aired like seventh or eighth. Um, but uh, you they, know, they they definitely aired out. It's another shuffler. If, if but, you if you have this on DVD, watch the third disc first. That's all I can say, and then go back. <laughs> Although I think the last episode of the second disc is actually technically the pilot because there's a whole oh, bunch yeah. of characters who aren't in it, mm-hmm. and then a whole bunch of characters there's, there's who a change gr- later. There's a girlfriend character is just sort of abandoned altogether. There's a sidekick character supposed to be there the whole time who isn't in it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really strange. But, um, yeah, so we're not going to speak of this in, through expertise. We're just going to look at what the show offered to non-fans. That's what we have to offer you this time. That's the best we can do right now. But what I was actually kind of surprised to learn was that The Dresden Files is actually a relatively recent book series. It only got started around uh, the year 2000. 2000, yeah. And as a result, like, it kind of came after that wave of the X-Files. It kind of did. This feels like the kind of thing. It's such a simple, pure idea. Mm-hmm. It's a wizard who's a private detective. Yeah. This really is, and I think it's why, one of the reasons why it's successful is it's just really, you can really latch onto that super easily. Just well, uh, Harry also, Potter, it's, middle-aged dude, it's ri- a private detective. It's riding the wave of a lot of uh, really similar fantasy lit that was coming mm-hmm. out at the time. So it's, it, it's, it's in the Percy Jackson uh, echelon of this sort of fantasy uh, well, I guess my point phenomenon. Is, in its simplicity, it feels like mm-hmm. it could have been the progenitor. That's that's because it's just so basic. It's just basically just he's a wizard. There's some wizard stuff. There's some secret society wizards. That's it. Maybe in the books, but the series feels very, very, very derivative. Well, I think, but here's the thing. I think if you look at, for example, you look at like a movie like John Carter, mm-hmm. which is based off of the Princess of Mars books by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you put that movie out now, it feels incredibly derivative, but you realize it's based on material that actually started all the things mm-hmm. that it now feels derivative of. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. The Dress of House is very straightforward. 
And as a result, <laughs> it feels very, very derivative, but there's really nothing wrong with it. It's just mm. very straight up. Let's talk about the cast. Harry Dresden mm. is played by Paul Blackthorne, whose which, name is cooler than Harry which Dresden. Which is, a, yeah. Yeah. They, they should have just called it the Blackthorne file. Well, why also file? Well, I guess there are files. You but, know, I, I watch this. I watch, like, my. You, 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 what you call this is Harry Dresden Wizard for Hire. That's the title. <laughs> Of this show. Eh, I, I, he, the Dresden Files makes it sound either like a news show mm. or like uh, or like some sort of investigative, like, you know, Bigfoot kind of show. Well, and it's just like, I watch this or, or it, sound, it sounds like a World War II drama. Like, that's something Spielberg would have directed. The I Dresden watched, Files. I watched this with my wife, Michelle, and she only watched like a couple episodes with me, like here mm. and there. And she was, after like two episodes, she was just like... Where are the files? <laughs> this, this is like in the X Files. They actually have files. Yeah. This is a even even file. in, even in the X Files. We rarely saw the filing cabinet, but we saw a filing cabinet. There was for there were sake. files. It was the whole point was that there was like a caseload. There were back cases, cold cases, new cases, no. and he put them in the files. They're to, collecting information. To, the Dresden Files is just a bunch mm. of shit that happened to this guy. To to digress, in the X Files, mm-hmm. the. Uh, all of the unexplained phenomenon they filed under the letter X because there weren't a lot of cases that started with the letter X. Surely there were some just legit FBI crimes that began with the letter X. At least a few, right? I would like, hope like, so. Like somebody's poisoning xanthan gum. I don't know. Yeah, someone broke so, into Xavier Kugat's place. Yeah, exactly. So it would have been great to have one episode of the X-Files where I found this really mysterious... Wait, this is this is just a regular case. Well, you it just rec- starts with the letter X. Do you ever recall uh, there was the, when the X-Files did a crossover with The Simpsons? Mm. And uh, there was like, oh, a, a, a local oaf has seen an alien in the woods in Springfield. Mm. And Scully's like, well, yeah, but there's a shipment of cocaine coming into the docks in Jersey tonight. Scully, we're the FBI. Don't you think we have more important things to do? <laughs> Um, so it's Paul Blackthorne. You know Paul Blackthorne uh, mm-hmm. from Arrow, if you uh, watch that show, and a lot of people do. Uh, he was also in a couple of Cancel Too Soon series we might get to at some point. Uh, we'll probably get to The River uh, eventually. Uh, he was also on a show called Presidio Med. He was not the first choice to play Harry Dresden. Okay. Turns out... James Marsters, who is best known for playing Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. was the uh, did the audiobooks okay. for the Dresden Files. Oh, they wanted to hire him to. They wanted him the to part. do it okay. because apparently those audiobooks were rather popular. Oh God, he would have been terrible. Maybe, All but right. uh, he turned it down because if it had gone to series, he would have had to move to Toronto, and he didn't want to do that. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, he's joined by... So, sh- Chicago, played by Toronto. Yeah. Toronto plays a lot of cities. It's a versatile actor. Uh, he's joined by Lieutenant Connie Murphy, who is the detective who employs his services. Mm. She's played by Valerie Cruz from Nip Tuck, Dexter, and True Blood. Valerie Cruz is a better name than Connie. <laughs> oh, that's, that's also true. Uh, Harry Dresden's roommate is the ghost of an ancient <laughs> wizard who is trapped inside a skull because he's cursed for doing black magic. They call him Bob. Yeah, he's Hrothbert of Bainbridge, a.k.a. Wait a minute. Bob. There's a Bob and there's a Connie. Yeah. This is a subgenius reference. Okay, great. J.R. Bob Dobbs and Connie Dobbs. Okay. Bob is played by Terrence Mann. <laughs> you couldn't care less. Could couldn't you? care less. Bob is played by Terrence Mann, mm. who I kept thinking played uh, King Arthur and Excalibur, but it's a different guy. Oh. Uh, he was he was one of the shape-shifting bounty hunters in the Critters franchise. Nice. Uh, he was also uh, the villain uh, on Sense8, which is a fantastic show mm. that lasted more than one season, but was definitely canceled too soon. And you should absolutely <laughs> check that out on Netflix if you haven't You know what? Already. Not all great things need to continue indefinitely. Do you uh, enjoy what you got? I Dance 8 did not need to continue indefinitely, but it 
shouldn't have ended on a huge cliffhanger. Ah, okay. It would have been nice if they'd had one more season, I think. <laughs> um, okay, a uh, couple other people who show up intermittently. Uh, we've got Warden Donald Morgan, who is like the official wizard guy who's got to keep all the wizard stuff he, secret in Chicago. Kind of the only face, and maybe the only uh, like. There's a wizard council. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this in plenty of science fiction and fantasy shows of uh, bureaucrats who essentially try to keep magic hidden from the human world. Yeah, um, They don't do a very good job because in all of these series, people always use just magic openly in the streets. Yeah, like every you never they almost never end with someone getting their memory erased or anything. Like yeah, that. it's always just like, oh, it turns out my boyfriend was a werewolf. And mm. now I know that. <laughs> okay. Don't you think news will get out? Isn't this like Isn't that kind a- of a thing? A- this agency sucks. You're not doing anything to well, hide magic. The issue is there's always this like thing because you want it to be this sort of magical realism. You can it's, it's, you can pretend it takes place in yeah. the real world. And like that's one of the things that like when J.K. Rowling created the Harry Potter world, mm. the idea was partly it's because human beings are assholes and they oh, yeah. have a tendency yeah. to kill witches, but. Also, there's actually like this huge classist thing mm. where witches and wizards kind of look down on yeah. normal people, like hey, muggles. Mm. They're like, they're like, oh god, I don't even know. How do they? How do those planes even stay up in the air? We don't want to know. <laughs> we have our magic. We're good. Like they just mm. don't give a shit. Um, Physics. <laughs> but like, it raises the question of. Would it really be so bad if we knew magic existed? Well, I would love to know magic existed. It would be really comforting to me. Well, and think how useful it would be, like healing people, or yeah. fi- like in in the first Harry Potter movie, uh, Dumbledore stands up, claps his hands, and food just appears on the tables. Wonderful. Go to Africa and do that, where go people are starving. Yeah, go go to yeah some impoverished place where there's food shortages and give people food. Yeah, water, medicine, all kinds of wonderful things. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I I get it. You're kind of stuck. Like, you can't have magic. You can't have a history of magic. Yeah, it's why it's like why you can't have like if. Marvel Studios is buying 20th Century Fox, or Disney is buying mm. 20th Century Fox. We're like, oh, the X-Men are going to be in the Avengers movies. How? <laughs> because the whole idea was that mutants have been around for, like, hundreds of years, and at least since World War II. Mm. And, like, you'd think that would have come up in the Iron Man movies by now if, by the way, we're really racist towards mutants. Wait, mm. what? How do we... <laughs> that seems like kind of a big thing to leave out mm. for all of these movies. Like, there's this huge... You have to have a history, mm. and therefore there has to be a reason why the world is the way it is and there's also this history so they have to keep it secret and i think it's one of those things where fans of the genre just go we don't care well it's it's fine as long as we get it some people have been bristling at bright the Mm. uh the david ayer film for that very reason i want you to do like a documentary about like bright called bristling with bright bristling (laughs) (laughs) well how all the critics hated it all the all the critics hated it it's it's a decent enough film uh it's it's um takes place in a world where there like fantasy creatures like fairies and orcs really exist mm-hmm. but it's not like they suddenly appeared like an alien nation and now it's like a few years down the line yeah. evidently they've always existed and there've been like wars with orcs and there's like history going back to the beginning of time with all of these fantasy creatures living among humans, but the world still looks kind of the same. Yeah. So it's, it's evolved to this point. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Right, so, it's more or less like now. And David Ayer has made such like a gritty kind of, and shot it in like kind of this realistic fashion that it's really difficult to buy. Yeah. Uh, 
Dresden Files walks the same line you've seen every time. There's no no nothing really novel in the way it depicts magic. Uh, and, and, and its relationship well, with the real world. There's a couple of things I really like about it. Uh, so Harry Dresden is, he's a wizard and he's got this sort of innate magical ability. He had it since he was a kid. Uh, and it's not something you can just learn from a book. Yeah. Like, like he can hone his skills, but you need to be born with it. Mm-hmm. He also has like electrical impulses throughout his body that uh, prevent him from using modern technology. So he essentially has to live among the analog stuff. Is that stuff. how that worked? They yeah. They, really there was a, clear there was a line it. of dialogue to okay. that effect in one episode where he, Every time he gets near like a computer or a cell phone or something, it just shorts out. Okay. So this is why he lives in sort of – he has an office and it's all wood and it's all old-fashioned and it's all analog. And he is kind of ignorant to the ways of online living because he's never been online because computers don't work around him. That's a fun idea. Mm. I also like that he has like – he doesn't have like a Harry Potter magic wand where this is my magic wand. There are mm. many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> like he can just take any piece of wood and charge it up with magical energy and that's his magical wand. So like in some episodes he has like a drumstick. Mm. Like which, just over the counter drumstick. Which looks like a magic wand, but yeah, yeah it's a drumstick. It's a drumstick. And a lot of them he has just like a street hockey stick. Yeah, which he, is just a really fun thing. It just, and he, but he carries it everywhere. I, I understand like you're in a sporting goods store or maybe he's a hockey fan and he has one in his office so when he's attacked in his office. But he goes out in the field to like chase after a werewolf or some sort of beastie. I'm on my way. It with him. I'm on my way to a hockey game. First of all, it's conspicuous. Be, I'm on my way secondly, from a hockey game. It's not. It's not <laughs> the most modular object. A hockey stick. You can carry it, but you can't. Like you have to like sort of lay it sideways in the car before you go. It's got personality though, and it really yeah. portrays Harry Dresden as. And I think this is a good. Mm. I think this is a good approach, but there, I do have one issue with it. But mm. he's a really working class magical character he's a really aggressively normal dude Mm. the first few episodes that we see paint him as a real ladies man like he's always sleeping with a whole bunch of different people Mm. and then after about like four episodes they sort of never do that again he's just (laughs) a schlub yeah he's just this normal dumbfounded kind of slack-jawed guy Mm. he's good with the magic awkward socially kind of just a normal dude and i and mm. i like that but i think they actually went too far i think my one of my well, they, made, they made him too normal they, yeah. they didn't give him any sort of weird weird like we look we were just two weeks ago we talked about brimstone yeah and how uh jericho kane <laughs> uh, uh, ezekiel stone ezekiel stone uh was uh, he was also kind of an ordinary guy but he was a little bit tortured and he actually mm. had like interests and kind of weird things that he was interested mm. in and he's w- way more interesting than Harry Dresden well, for that reason Harry Dresden doesn't exist beyond his job as a wizard for hire well he has no intensity he has mm. a backstory that we'll talk about in a bit mm. that is suitably dramatic it's kind of interesting and I was in, I was like I wanted to know more about it but there's really nothing driving him mm. to do a lot and as a result he's just sort of wandering through the stories in fact even you look at the credits for the dresden files you look at the opening credits for every episode it looks like he's lost in chicago (laughs) it's just like the camera's moving around him and he's just sort of standing there going did i miss my turn what did i and the chicago setting is sadly not really exploited it's just exteriors well Uh, when when you're not shooting in chicago there's only so much you can do i suppose not but you know there's like some chicago color they could have added at least get the pizza you know something You'd think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're... Talk, talk about the Cubs more. Whatever it is you yeah, got. Yeah, that's their sports team. Yeah. <laughs> it, about to say, they should talk about the local sporting outfit. Uh, the, whatever there there are, are a lot of rather notable sporting outlets to come out of Chicago. Absolutely. <laughs> talk like about the, those things. Like the Chicago... 
Yes. Cubs. I just said the Cubs. Choose a different one. <laughs> the Chicago. Say the Bears. Bears? Yeah, the Chicago Bears. Did the Cubs and the Bears? Yeah, Cubs and Bears. <laughs> seems unfair. Got a, monopoly on, got a monopoly on the Ursa animals? What the hell? Do they have the koalas as well? Like, uh, well, koalas technically are marsupials. They're oh. not ursine. All right, what about pandas? Pandas are not ursine either. What the fuck? <laughs> Grizzlies, black bears, that sort of thing. I've learned much today. <laughs> about bear taxonomy. <laughs> Welcome to Cancel Too Soon. There we go. The bear taxonomy show. Here's the thing. We digress a lot with uh, the Dresden Files because although there's really nothing wrong with the premise, mm. there's actually a couple episodes I really like. Mm. It's kind of a straightforward show. It's kind it's, of like just sort of. I, I can see why it had trouble finding an audience, just because it doesn't really stand out. There, there's two ways to go about this. If you have that simple a premise, you kind of have to make it a little bit more accessible to a younger audience. You need to make mm. it more colorful, maybe a little sillier, mm. uh, a little more e- easily consumed by perhaps a nine year old, mm. um, because this sort of premise might be new to a nine year old, or the the way it's told might be new to somebody who hasn't seen a hundred shows like this right um or you have to do something like brimstone you have to give it a, a at least a little bit more personality a little bit more of a twist well an edge really. uh, yeah like a little bit brimstone more is, is a show for adults yeah yeah or, it, it, or it's, older it's, teenagers older teenagers there's enough there's enough really dark criminality in there mm. that i wouldn't show it to like an, no, an there's elementary a, there's, yeah, there's like that like, that film is lousy with sexual assault but uh, well, the, the television series the but television yeah. series but like yeah no like it's mm. it's just it's really inappropriate for young audiences the dresden files is like it's trying to be a show you can watch with the whole family but mm. no one in the family is going to be super excited by it it's like oh what, what should we have for dinner tonight and you're really excited about pizza and they're mm. really excited about pasta and said you agree on peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> it's fine yeah. but no one's really getting what sandwich. they want so that's the Dresden Files. Yeah. Uh, but the one bit of edge that they kind of explore is Harry's backstory. And we mentioned he was being, his mother died. His mother was a witch. He inherited yeah. his powers from his mother. She died He's under mysterious circumstances, which they never got to. I assume uh, they got to it. In probably going to get to it. Um, Dad was kind of a deadbeat. Uncle knew about the uh, the magic powers and decided to help him like in a Professor X sort of way, help him hone his powers. Mm-hmm. But Uncle was not a good guy. Yeah, Justin Morningway is the name of his uncle. That's a Again, good name. More that's a cool a- actors name. Actors with better names than the characters. No, no, that's the name of the character. Oh, the shoot. character okay. actually has a better name. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he, and we find out over the course of the series that uh, when Harry's father died and he was taken in by his uncle, his his life kind of improved. He found himself, you know, being very good at magic, and was, feeling very and accepted. Also, his uncle was really rich, so I moved out of a dumpy apartment into a nice house. Yep. Uh, and he started being uh, tutored by a ghost named Bob, mm-hmm. who will uh, be very important later. Um, and what we found out, like, just on, like, his cotillion, like, his coming out party, <laughs> like, the one where Harry's going to be presented to the counselor or whatever like that, mm-hmm. he finds out, like, just before this big graduation ceremony moment that his uncle killed his father. Mm. And there's a big fight and Harry uses black magic in order to kill his uncle and then he has to go on the run because if you use black magic or as they call it rather awkwardly the black 
Uh, <laughs> black magic is basically death magic for mm. the most part. Ma- magic know. that is just designed to kill another person. Or, or to raise or like the ta- dead. like take over their souls. Some, yeah, something with death. To really fuck with nature's way. Mm. Like just, mm, the, this is not the way the world's supposed to work at all. Um, and by touching it once, he basically like scarred himself for life uh, in the community. Like he can't, he can never have a decent job as a wizard. Everyone looks down at him. Which makes Everyone, you wonder, what kind of job do you get as a wizard? Well, you could you could work for the council, I guess. What else is there? Surely, there's Dragon more than, training. Yeah, there's more know. more than just council work. Yeah, uh, or is there like? Did you see Harry Potter? There's a whole bunch of jobs available. You could teach. <laughs> you could teach. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Animals. Hogwarts is just political science major, isn't it? Yeah, what can you do? You can grow up and teach political science to other people. There you go. The pyramid um, scheme. Um, Wizarding is a pyramid scheme. But yeah, so like he's he's basically he's got a criminal record hmm. that will follow him around forever. He's got a black spot on his criminal record. And, and there's the one guy from the Wizarding Council is following around and constantly kind of sneering at him and yeah. fighting him. Yeah, because he's an asshole. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. And uh, meanwhile, uh, in in the real world, his just his f- uncle appears to have died of natural causes. But later on, uh, the case is reopened, and it looks like Harry killed him, and it looks bad. Yeah. Well, and and uh, it's it's revealed pretty early on that he he killed his uncle in self defense. Mm-hmm. And the joke that Bob has used several times was that he self defensed him to death. Good times. Uh, yeah, Bob, whose real name is I think Rothgar. A uh, Rothbert. Rothbert. So I guess he's Icelandic. Crossbird um, of Bainbridge. <laughs> he's an Icelandic guy from England. Okay. Yeah. Um, he penned a grimoire, uh, a word I learned from the movie Warlock, because <laughs> <laughs> they were after the Grand Grim- Grimoire, the best one of them the all. Ultimate Grimoire. Uh, he fil- he penned a grimoire which was full of like black magic and evil crap, and as punishment, he was. Well, it was punishment for for his the woman he loved had died, and he brought her back from the dead. Using using said grimoire. Yeah, and as punishment for that, mm. he uh, had his soul trapped inside his own skull. So Harry has a <laughs> so, skull on his desk where a ghost lives. My soul is trapped in my skull. That sounds like a Kafka story. Uh, <laughs> he uh, yeah. So yeah, there's the skull on his desk that's covered with ancient runes and. Bob, who's kind of like a wisecracking... What was uh, Dean Stockwell's character from Quantum Leap? Oh, oh. Like I would Jerry know that if you something. hadn't asked. <laughs> Damn it. Hang on. I'm going to look that up because it's driving me insane. Okay. Uh, he, he has that sort of... Al. Al. He has that sort of Al quality to him where he's really... You know, he's ancient, but he's kind of over it all, and he's kind of wisecracking, and... He's got this kind of... Wise and deprecating, alternately. They've got this... I almost wish they'd gone further with it. They've got this kind of Jeeves and Wooster thing going, <laughs> that, where, yeah. where Bob is just like, oh, I'll be here long after he's dead. I'm just going to sort of tolerate well, his bullshit. Harry he Dresden, was a silly young man. Harry Dresden should have been like more of an idiot if that were the case. Well, and that would have been enough. a great show, frankly. Well, but like, Bob's been around for hundreds of years. Everyone's an idiot. Well, as yeah. far as Bob's concerned, so you could have had that dynamic and still have Harry be very capable. Yeah. Um, but well, Bob, um, Bob is a little too lively for that. He's uh, he's not put like he's sort of put upon, but he's also really engaged with the action. Yeah, and I wish he was in the show more. Frankly, like Harry would travel around with the skull and just call on Bob in every situation, sort of like. Uh, uh, Selma in Time Tracks. If I can bring up that damn show again, anytime, you anytime can, I can, any opportunity. Dale Midkiff. Played, played Darian Lambert had a little credit card sized computer that would project a hologram of his his uh, uh, confidant mm. 
and her name was Selma. She was a, an intelligent computer, and she was in many scenes, and she would like narrate to him from his pocket. Good. She was an active part of the show. Bob needs to be a more active part of the show. Well, that's kind of the, the issue. show is banking way too heavily on how much we're into Harry. Well, here's the thing. You have Harry, and I think the show thinks that where we live, and maybe this is works in the book. Maybe in the books, they're gangbusters together. Mm-hmm. I think the show thinks that Harry has tons of charisma with Lieutenant Murphy, mm-hmm. and that they're going to play off each other super great. And there's going to be a lot of romantic chemistry that they're going to try to fight off. They'll be the next Mulder and Scully. Yeah. And then about like only only takes an episode or two for I think the audience to pick up on. They're platonic as fuck. They're okay <laughs> at, together. At best. They're okay together, but mm. they don't really play off each other. They don't have like a lot of chemistry. There's not well, a lot of there's not a lot of give and take and interacting going on. They just sort of go mm. through plots together. I, I've seen plenty of TV shows and movies where uh, the two romantic leads don't have chemistry, yeah. and usually it's death. Sometimes it's just an element you kind of have to overlook. And here. I didn't really notice it until we were given a much better pairing for Harry yes. in a later episode, who only appeared in that one episode. Yeah, there's there's one episode later on. Again, we're going through it episode by episode mm. in a bit, uh, where he's finally with someone who's like, oh my god, they have so much fucking chemistry. Why isn't this the show? Because he just doesn't have enough people to play off of mm. enough. It's just him and, frankly, a rather kind of bored sounding over like voiceover Mm. that sort of explains things and it's trying to be really personable and i like paul blackthorne as an actor i really do but he's just he isn't quite the hard-boiled private detective type and he's not Mm. quite like multifaceted enough to play off of that and not really do it did you notice that his chicago accent kind of came and went a little bit like the narration it was really strong but then in just ordinary scenes he just had basic American. Let's talk about uh, the first episode. The first episode that aired Mm -hmm. uh, was an episode called Birds of a Feather in which a young boy seeks out Harry Dresden um, because he thinks there's supernatural creatures after him and it turns out that there are. And uh, they can't track it down because this is a skinwalker or mm-hmm. yeah, skinwalker. a skinwalker who can uh, skin people very well, put on the skin, and just live in their skin. Yeah, look like that person. Totally convincingly, um, murder somebody and turn into them. And there's actually a couple of cute reversals here, where like Harry Dresden is like investigating this kid's boogeyman mm-hmm. and thinking himself it's probably nothing, but just in case, I was a scared kid once. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Detective Murphy is investigating a woman who is skinned. That's yeah. and, it, and turns out are two cases. The same case, <laughs> and so like who'd have they, seen that coming? And well, so they come together pretty organically, pretty mm. well. It turns out the kid has magical powers and belongs to some sort of Raven clan. It really doesn't pan out. I'm, uh, they mentioned some sort of clan. I'm so glad they didn't get into clans. Uh, you remember Kindred the Embraced? Yeah, how they, there was the, like way more mythology than a show like that could well, ever tolerate. Well, especially right off the bat. That's mm. the kind of thing, if you go five seasons, you'll have my patience and I'll well, be and interested could, to know you more about in- introduce the introduce this information yeah. more slowly so it gets more complex as you go. You start with 12 clans, I'm already out. Yeah, I, the, I, I can't even, absorb that much even information. Even this Raven clan, I thought like, oh god, this is going to be important. This kid's going to be some kind of chosen one. Mm. Harry's going to practically adopt the kid and it kind of looks like he does at the end of this episode. Like Maybe like the single mom and the kid moved in with him. Mm. No. Nope, we never see him again. Yeah. Uh, there's a cool bit where, uh, is it the Doom Box? Uh, yeah, the Doom Box. Yeah, like Bob had created like this magical hand grenade. 
Which, uh, well, th- like you put a little bit of magic inside, and then you close it, and then the magic just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. This is, this is a video game thing, really, or yeah. a, an RPG thing. Yeah. And then you open it up, and all the magic just sort of shoots you, shoots out and blows up your face. And the thing is, is that it's it's actually a bit of dark magic. It's actually mm. from his grimoire. And there's a couple of episodes where Harry wants to use black magic, and Bob actually convinces him not to because, mm. like, that's a slippery slope, and you're going to mm. end up trapped inside your own skull. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> I know from experience. Um, other than that, this episode is is pretty straightforward. Honestly, there's really not a lot to it. Am I forgetting well, anything? Uh, thinking this was the pilot, it seemed like we were just getting all the basic information out of the way. Now, it wasn't until I realized that I saw the pilot that I realized kind of how I don't want to say the word lazy, just sort of how pat this film's uh, film, the show. Sorry, doing all the time. How pat this show's presentation is. It has all of the basic information. Doesn't stretch too far. That's a good way to start with a pilot. You're not going to give too many mm-hmm. outlandish things right away. But that's every episode. Every episode. We don't really... get the outlandish stuff ever. We're, mm-hmm. we're we're never stretching in any kind of strange territory. Not any strange territory. That's mm. true. The second episode is a body swapping episode. So we had two body swap episodes in a row. I mean, it wasn't really body swap the first time, but kind of people disguised as other people. Yeah. So uh, there was this one's actually like kind of a fun setup. A guy thinks that his daughter, who he runs an antique store, his daughter was killed in a robbery. Mm. Um. And he thinks maybe his daughter is haunting the place. And Harry finds out that indeed she is. And she wants him to see something that happened. Turns out the guy robbing the place stole this ancient Egyptian tablet. Uh, Mm. The tablet has exchanged hands and now is like, and may all lead to this eccentric billionaire who steals a lot of like Egyptian stuff. And it turns out that the thief found out about the Egyptian tablet from a guy in prison, blah, blah, blah. It's really complicated. (laughs) The tablet lets him switch bodies. Yeah, you put your hand on it and you can switch bodies. Yeah, with somebody, and it kills the other person, so they're just neutralized or whatever like mm. that. It's it's fun. Um, and I then, feel like I saw that art <clears throat> that artifact on Friday the Thirteenth the series at some I point. I think Friday the Thirteenth series did just about every artifact after a while. It's had a problem <laughs> with it. Like, oh god, we're out of it. Uh, it's a really old refrigerator. Yeah, it's a really refrigerator, <laughs> and it keeps your meat really. Bad. It's it's a wicker wheelchair. It was an actual episode. It was a yeah. wicker wheelchair. Remember the Cupid statue? You had to take it in with you to a singles bar so we could shoot somebody. Oh, I didn't that see was that like, one. That was like episode two. Oh, geez. like you actually try watching that show in mm. order, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> just go straight to the Cronenberg episodes. Um, so uh, so yeah, so he has to investigate that. What actually ends up being kind of important is that uh, a. Lieutenant Murphy's body ends up being taken over by mm. the criminal, and there's a whole thing about her going to Harry and saying, you know, I have to be able to trust you, you can never lie to me again. That pit doesn't pay off until later, but then it pays off pretty hard. But it's at this point that I realize that, and I think it's because the show is aired out of order, mm. it's really hard to keep track of how much Lieutenant Murphy actually knows about magic. Yeah. Like, like there are episodes she, where she doesn't believe he's a wizard at all. There's an episode mm. where he does believe he's a wizard. There's an episode where he'll do magic in front of her. And then there's another episode right afterwards where he won't. And it's really strange. It's confusing because, yeah, they aired out of order. And it's especially confusing because she never seems to have any sort of wonderment at the magic. Mm. Like, whenever he does something really extraordinary, she's like, oh, this crap again. Oh, I see. You're just going to, like, look through 
time and see something that happened in the past and mm-hmm. make a phoenix appear in the sky and the earth is going to open up and you're going to puke fire. You know, whatever it is, she just doesn't care. Well, she, they're never really specific about what she thinks he is. Mm. What they could be But he is, calls himself a wizard. She calls him a wizard. She yeah. knows he's a wizard. I know, but the point is that if they really... I mean, you can eventually build to him, her knowing everything, which I think mm. they were getting to. But, like, if they had just been, like, really clear right off the bat, I call him in when there's weird, unexplained, culty crap, which it turns out there's way more than I ever thought there would be before I became a homicide detective. <laughs> so, like, he knows about ancient runes and stuff. And, yeah, he's super eccentric, and he and he says he's a wizard on the yellow pages in order to make money. I don't believe any of that, but I do know mm. that he knows the history. Mm. Like, you could have played that. Instead, they just are really inconsistent with it. Mm. And I'm not sure even if you put it all in order, it would make sense. With the pilot at the head, it certainly would have helped. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, The next episode is the werewolf episode. Yeah, Hair of the Dog, which is actually based off of the second Harry Dresden book. Mm. Uh, This is kind of a fun premise where someone is... I mean, it's the audience is way ahead of it because we know what kind of show it is. But basically, someone's killing werewolves. Mm. And then it turns out someone's making werewolves specifically to kill them. Which yeah. is kind of fun. It's, it's I haven't seen fun. that before. Yeah, That's kind of yeah. different. Um, uh, werewolves never look good on TV. Well, werewolves rarely look good in general. This is That's one of the true. problems. It's... Werewolves are considered one of the great movie monsters. You mm. get your Dracula's, you get your Frankenstein's, you get your werewolves. And ghosts, I guess, would be the, the, the <laughs> corfecta. Uh, but, mm. uh, yeah, the problem with werewolves, there's two problems with werewolves. One... Special effects. Special effects. Like yeah, you yeah, have to. Exactly. It's hard to make a. You can, anyone can make an undead person or a vampire. It's relatively easy to do with almost no money. Mm. A werewolf. You want it to look good. You want it to look scary. You want it mm. to look animalistic. You want it to look inhuman. Yeah. And to do it well costs a lot of money. In fact, even like a show like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which had more money than the Dresden Files, apparently. Mm. Even their werewolf sucked. Like they weren't. <laughs> they weren't great. So yeah, we had we had some really low rent CGI werewolves, and they, they tried to hide them in shadows. They gave them some glowing they eyes, tried. but. They're just not that yeah. interesting. And fin- there were a lot of effects. Oh, <clears throat> sorry, I was only to finish my thought. Oh, just sorry, sorry, no, sorry. The other problem, I think, with werewolves mm-hmm. uh, is that the fundamental horror dynamic of werewolves, the idea that, okay, vampires are the monster without. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the outsider. They're the stranger. They're the, the alien coming the, into your neighborhood. The, the seducer, the evil mm-hmm. that infects your life. Yeah. Frankenstein is the monster we create. Mm-hmm. Literally just create. The evil that men build. The evil that men do. And then they create become their own thing uh werewolves are the monster inside of you mm. we have that it's called <laughs> serial killers <clears throat> they're real they're well publicized well, and they're very dynamic you mm. can do all kinds of things with a serial killer type of premise so you don't need to go through all the makeup story to tell what is basically a werewolf tale mm. dexter is a werewolf tale I suppose so. You know, like he can't yeah. control these, this killer urge. The, the, the Hulk is the werewolf. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the same basic... Jekyll and Hyde is, mm. the, is the werewolf. Um, so, yeah. So that's the other reason why we don't see as many werewolf things. But yeah, this is a, a, a werewolf episode in which the werewolves kind of look like crap. Yeah. Mm. I will say this. There is... Oh, I forgot to write her name down. Uh, oh, the young actress. The in young this one, actress yeah. who plays a woman who is her roommate is turned into a werewolf and mm. hunted down and killed, and she tries to team up with Harry Dresden to find out what happened. Um, she is actually a really good actor. 
Like I thought she was like really yeah. great. There's this whole sequence where she gets bitten I, by she, a werewolf. Unfortunately, and she, is, she looks so much like the actress from the previous episode that for a second I thought they were the same character, mm. and they're not. They're just two actresses yeah. who look kind of similar. Kathleen Monroe is the name of the actor, and there's mm. this whole extended sequence where she's been bitten by a werewolf and she's trying not to kill Harry Dresden, and she's yeah, barely yeah. keeping it, <clears throat> and it's really sensual. Like it's a really like it, it's a really intimate mm. kind of. Of transformation going on inside of her mm-hmm. and she's being very honest about what she wants to do and she's barely physically holding herself in and it's almost erotic like it's actually like this real <laughs> it's just interesting like if the if what she had wanted to do was have sex that mm-hmm. would be one of the most erotic scenes i'd seen in a tv show in a long time but what she wants to do is kill him mm-hmm. um it, that's a great little bit of acting i'll just give her that i just want to say to her credit that's pretty great uh- I understand that the whole point of a werewolf is, you know, it's the your appetites, the evil within you. And mm-hmm. uh, as such, when they're depicted, usually when somebody gets, like, really hungry or really angry or really horny, that's when sort of the, the werewolfy stuff starts to manifest itself. Mm-hmm. Impulse. J- just once, I would love to see the opposite. Like, the werewolf is when you're calm. And it's only when you're really worked up that you go back to being human. I think the closest I've seen to that was on Adventure Time, where they had <laughs> Y-Wolves. Why wolves? Yeah, they just—they're very pensive and they think about things. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, they get pissed off. They turn into people. Yeah, um, I don't remember if that's how that worked, but they're—they were very philosophical. <laughs> the next—the next episode is rules of engagement. This one's—I feel like they try to throw a lot of like a lot mythology. of mythology, a lot of mythology, yeah. and I really couldn't follow. But basically, there's a woman. She hires Harry Dresden. Someone's killing off blah and it turns out her boyfriend is a hellion who as near as i can tell from the episode is someone who sold their soul to hell and is now like Mm. a monster of hell but the thing that no one is willing to accept and harry finally realizes is true is that even a hellion is capable of redemption and the guy Mm. is actually doing all these criminal things looking very suspicious because he is trying to renege on his deal with the devil Mm. and become a better person which like all of like the high council thinks is impossible yeah Um, kim coates is in the episode he's always a great actor he's yeah he plays basically the devil but he's not uh he's the devil they they changed the name but like yeah he's he's a he's a devil his name is is frucifer um Is this this the one with the giant Hellion assassin, or is that a different episode? Um, I think that's a different episode. I think Uh, you're thinking of uh, Stormfront, which is actually the the real pilot. Yeah, yeah, I... I, Again, I'm glad that they didn't delve too far into mythology, but a little more explanation would have been okay. You know, what, what a Hellion is, what exactly their function is. There, there's a lot of distinction between black magic and regular magic, but mm. you know, not enough of a distinction to make well, me think that Harry isn't all like doing black magic every day. Well, here's the thing like, that I... setting fire to the sky and writing words in the air seems pretty suspicious. Well, here, here's here's the thing, and I think it's this thing we sort of take for granted. Mm. Um, Holmes needs a Watson. He needs someone to explain his thought processes mm. to. He need it's it's kind of an obvious dramatic device, but without it, you're gonna have some people in the audience scratching their heads not because they're dumb just because they're not necessarily paying really close attention all the time mm. um so what harry dresden doesn't have is a watson 
the the the, the yeah, cop he talks yeah, yeah. to is on the outside and he can't really explain everything to mm. her and everyone else knows what he knows so what we get are snippets of voiceover but even that can't go into too de- too much detail you can have people like ask follow-up questions mm. if you have someone to bounce off mm. of which is why in a later episode when he finally gets that person it's great yeah it's like finally the show is working wait no don't don't go um yeah, I, I'm reminded of the narration from Burn Notice. If you ever saw that show, Burn Notice, where I never did. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Donovan gives voiceover where he's actually bothering to explain it to an audience, like somebody who know he knows is just sort of looking on. Mm-hmm. So he actually has to explain like what <laughs> the joke we always say is. It always begins with the phrase "When you're a spy, you have to etc etc etc." So yeah, when you're a spy, sometimes you're trapped in a room, and here's how to break out. And he'll actually like explain what he's doing as he's doing it in voiceover. Um, it's the only show I've seen that does it that explicitly. I'm sure it's been done elsewhere. Uh, do it here, please. <laughs> yeah. We really need, if you're going to have this oh. much mythos, you really just need to explain it to us. Yeah, yeah. And you need to have someone to explain it to us, or you need to, there's no or, better. Or, or just, just like spell it out really well, clearly in visual terms. Like he's going to a location. It's like, okay, well I, ha- I have this book and I need to look up this spell and this spell will open up the, or like he just sort of says it to himself a if little bit. There is, cause there's a, there's a rule that mm. they teach in like screenwriting classes, which is basically don't use voiceover. It's, I, I it's, hate that rule. I'm, I'm, I was about to say. I, that. I understand that that's, that's like film school, early well, film school rule to, to teach you to think more visually. Yeah, but you sh- after you know that rule, it's okay to not do that. Exactly. Anymore. There's actually a lot of great voiceovers in the world, mm. but basically the problem with a voiceover is that it can become a crutch, and you can over-explain things when you could be showing them. Mm. The best voiceover, the best use of voiceover I've ever seen in anything. Mm. And if you're ever thinking about like, oh, how do I use voiceover? If you're ever interested in writing, Veronica Mars. <laughs> Veronica Mars consistently has the best voiceover. It adds flavor and mm. information without just diving into a rabbit hole of talking. Uh-huh. And it's full of humor and it's full of like character observation. And it never gets in the way, but it's omnipresent. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm. The Dresden Files is more like in the Blade Runner theatrical cut version where it's <laughs> like either kind of redundant or... I need more. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. telling me nearly enough. You'd think that's fine. Can I think of like a really great use of voiceover? George yeah. of the Jungle. George of yes. the Jungle movie has <laughs> great voiceover. Well, it's not really a voiceover. It's more of a narrator. Na- oh, yeah, yeah narrator. that's true. Yeah, it's a great one, though. You're mm. absolutely right. Uh, the next episode is Bad Blood. It's um, a vampire episode. Yeah, and it turns and out that at, right after... Vampires... As usual, are are minxy vixens who have who orgies, run nightclubs, run nightclubs, and have orgies. Uh, this one, what else are you gonna do, really? This one has, uh, I think, Laura Vandervoort, who would end up mm. playing Supergirl on Smallville, or I think I already had at this point, but it was around that time. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so it turns out that an old friend of Harry's, who actually gave him shelter after he killed his uncle while he was hiding from the magic police and needed mm. to have an alibi, who will learn in the pilot that's coming later on. <laughs> um, she is someone put a hit out on her, mm. and she thinks it's someone from the High Council. Maybe it's someone from the High Council. Oh no, it wasn't the guy from the High Council. And then it turns out it was Laura Vanderfort because she's the big star. It's the John Hawks effect where it's like she's, yeah, she's so. a little too recognizable to not be the person responsible. In, in the episode, she plays kind of like uh, a sidekick slash paramour of, of minxy bisexual vampire. And yeah, it, it turns out she – it's such a, a blatant reversal because there's no real hints – it yeah. just sort of, it, oh, and it turns out it was her. I did like this episode, though. There, 
Anyway, I, th- I like this episode because the uh, the vampire mm. uh, who's played by Joanne Kelly, uh, she's very sultry in a very yeah. convincing film noir kind of way, uh, and she's a vampire, so bonus. Um, but uh, she has good chemistry actually mm. with Harry, um, and they actually do some real detecting. Like they actually go yeah, around to different people. There's there's a couple of red herrings. Maybe it's about this like illicit magic drug trade. Maybe it's not. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a conspiracy. I also really like. There's this guy who they think. There's this assassin who works for the High Council. If they ever need to kill a bunch of vampires, they call this guy. So she assumes that he was the one behind the mm. attempt on her life. And the guy's just like, I retired. And within only a couple of lines, I actually kind of liked the guy. Even <laughs> though he's obviously like kills a whole bunch of people. He's like, I retired. I have dinner with my grandkids. And I'm in bed by seven. Mm. And like, then he gets shot and killed by whoever end, end up doing it. And like his last words are something to the effect of like, oh, I'm never going to see my grandkids again. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's, it's really simple, but it's very effective. Like mm. that's the thing in a detective story where you have a character who goes around talking to various people, various suspects, various red herrings. They all only have so much real estate in the story to make a character known and that's kind of where it lives and breeds. Either mm. that stuff is boring or it's not. And this is one of the ones where it wasn't boring because all the characters had character. Mm. So well done. Uh, there was this, a scene in this one where uh, like a bunch of vampires attack. And Harry is at a loss. He's not used to fighting vampires. Luckily, he's in the vampire weapons warehouse. And so there's this really one like tiny moment where he's like ducking behind a crate or something. It's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And he looks behind him and is like, oh, yeah, like a thousand crossbows. <laughs> Uh, the next yeah. episode is called Soul Beneficiary, and this is one that was actually pretty clever because this is a very straightforward private detective story with a magical spin that I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, a guy comes into Harry's office. Mm. He is having dreams about him dying in various ways, and then he just drops dead in the middle of the office. Mm. And then it, Harry thinks that the wife yeah. might have killed him for so the insurance money. And then the wife comes into the office, and, and she also drops dead in the office. <laughs> everyone's kind of looking at him askance like, well, and, and here's where we realize we're divorced from reality because the cop comes in and says, "This is the second body I've had to take out of your office in six hours." No, he'd he'd be in the back of a car already. They're, 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 you'd hold him for questioning, please. <laughs> no, no, let him off the case. Wait, two people just died in his office within six hours of each other. Mm-hmm. That's a little suspicious. That's quite a coincidence. Yeah. We need to we need to take you off the street at least. Yeah. Um, it turns out the twist, it's a good little twist, actually. Um, he wasn't having, like, prophetic dreams about his death. He was remembering all the times he died. And indeed, his wife has been in league with another, like, witch or wizard. Mm. And they have been repeatedly killing him for different life insurance policies. Just yeah, setting up the new identity it's, and then killing him again. It's pretty terrific. It's really it's pretty, it's, it's really clever. It's sad. Mm. And it's kind of funny. And then when they, like, finally, like, kill him too hard, they end up setting up... <laughs> Harry as the, the new identity, mm. and it's him waking up kind of in, in the other guy's life. Yeah, like she's just which like, is how oh. they introduce the episode. So you're a little off, little off kilter for a little bit. Yeah, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, honey, I got you your orange juice and drink it all." Sometimes the poison's on the bottom. He's suspicious enough to like throw the orange juice in her face, and they get in a fight. Mm. But he's still like brainwashed, so they'll like get in a fight in a building he's never been in before. It's like, oh, I always love that painting. <laughs> <laughs> Not the painting. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Mm. We'll give him credit for that. That was that was pretty cute. Uh, the next episode is called Walls. 
Uh, this is about a group of college students who have found a severed oh, uh, magical hand that lets them walk through it's, walls. It's a, the hand of a cursed wax statue. So it's made of wax. Mm-hmm. And it's and, possessed by the and it's ghost possess- of a dead thief. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the, it has magic in it. There's one really twisted. It essentially opens like just a portal in a is wall. Is it made of wax or is it like mummified? I it was no, like it's, mummified. it's it's wax. Because okay. remember when he appears at the end of the episode, uh, it, they end up like magicking the hand and and the, the thief grows back. And he's made of like drippy, icky wax. I just thought they'd mummified him weird or something. All right, no, be. they even said like, wait, okay. a, like Harry was even a little astonished. Wait a minute. You're made of wax. Yeah. But, and, uh, uh, but yeah, th- there's a... They're just ordinary frat boy assholes. They're not just, like wizards or, or vampires or anything. Just douchey kids. Which I think is a, a fine standalone uh, premise for a single episode where it's not going to be a, some sort of mythology heavy or some sort of familiar yeah. monster with every episode. It does, normal kids it does have a thing. It does have a finger in actual yeah. reality, so which bunch is fine. A bunch of kids find a magic artifact. Mm-hmm. They find out it lets them walk through walls. They decide to use it to commit crimes a lot of them are in debt or their moms are sick or whatever but it turns out every time they use it they're actually dying because the thing Mm. is like leeching their life energy to bring the soul back to life the episode opens weird because there's a young woman who i guess these are her friends and she suspects Mm. they're doing something magic so she goes to harry dresden's office and she goes in and she sees bob and i think this is the first time i've seen anyone other than harry or another wizard interact with bob mm. i thought bob couldn't be seen by anybody and, and bob well bob can't touch anything he's like a, he's a ghost i just thought he, i just thought that people couldn't see him either cuz he never interacted with anybody oh. else it's not like the Lieutenant murphy ever comes in and says oh hey bob yeah, oh. we never really shook hands. <laughs> well, we're never going to because I'm, <laughs> I'm a, rude. Yeah, I'm a germaphobe and I can't tell. How about a fist bump? How about just uh... like they, they never do that. He's always just <laughs> off to the side. Mm. So I thought he was like, I thought there was going to be this whole plot point about how it's weird that she could see him. Mm. And it turns out, no, she's the red herring. She gets killed and that sends Harry off on a mission. Uh, one scene I appreciated is uh, the, the magic hand opens like a, a portal in a wall mm-hmm. and then it, it slowly grows shut and there's a scene where they're leaping through this wall and as it grows shut it actually catches one of them and severs their legs Mm. and kills them that way that's fine it's it's yeah it's really gross Mm. uh the next episode is called stormfront this was originally going to be the two-hour pilot or rather a backdoor pilot they were going to make a tv movie um and based on the strength of that they were going to decide if they're going to go to series but then they made that tv movie and they said screw it let's go to series Mm. we like it so they ended up not showing that pilot, cutting that pilot down an hour, and showing it as the eighth episode. And, so, it, and it feels like a pilot. Like, even in the, the way they shoot, it's like when he says, hey, you know, Valerie Cruz, how you doing there? And the way they sort, she sort of turns around and says, I always knew you were a cad, Harry, because I'm a cop. And uh, hello, I'm a cop. Well, and I'm going to be part of this program. Well, actually, like, you look at this it's, episode. It's all very demonstrative. You want to look at, like, how, like editing works mm. and like you want to you want to see a show that's just like edited to oblivion watch this episode of the dresden files because it's incredibly obvious how they took a longer episode and made a shorter one and they had to cut out a lot of dialogue and add a whole bunch of adr automatic mm. dialogue replacement which is when they re-record the dialogue after they've shot the movie mm. practically every movie uses at least some of it either because the audio was unusable or they needed to really clarify a plot point mm. or just for mixing reasons sometimes uh, yeah. francis Ford coppola if you listen to the commentary track on the godfather part two mm. he says one of the tricks you can employ as a filmmaker is to have at least one scene where an actor 
op- like picks up the phone and talks on the phone completely in shadow because then you can do the whole scene in ADR and you can put any plot point you want there. <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really cheap trick, but he and, used it well. And then he made Dracula, which is all ADR. So <laughs> what happens in, in this episode is there's a ton. I, I would say like half the conversations in the episode mm. are... Off camera. Well, sort of. So, like, in most conversations on television, when they don't have, like, a lot of time to do a ton of different camera angles, what you really have are three angles. There's a two-shot between Mm. two people talking where you can see both actors. Both of them on the screen. And then there's one slightly off to the side where you can see, like, over the shoulder of one actor and the face Mm. of the other actor. And And then then the reverse reverse, shot where you see the other actor and the shoulder of the other actor. There's a ton of dialogue in this episode where the person whose face we're seeing is not the person talking and then the next time, and then when that person needs to talk, mm. you cut to the person who's listening over and over and over again. That, it's full of, oh that, shit, how do we fix this episode? That the episode work? makes any sense at all is kind of a miracle. And I yeah. think the editors deserve credit for coming out as well as they did, however uh, obvious it might be. Absolutely, actually. Mm. Like, it's tough. It's a tough gig. Like, mm. there's, um, and if you take like an editing class or something like that, like one uh, class I took at UCLA, um, they would give us, like, here's a bunch of footage from a scene. Mm. Okay, we need you to uh, just edit all this footage together. It's just some TV movie or whatever. Okay, so you got your scene. Great. It needs to be one minute shorter for commercials. What do we do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you, what, do you, what do you cut? How do you cut it down? How do you make it still make sense? Mm. What is valuable? What is completely worthless? Like, you had a pacing was great. Pacing is no longer important. We need to cut it down by one minute to mm. fit in a time slot. These are hard jobs. <laughs> TV editors in particular have really hard jobs. So um, I have a lot of respect for everything they tried to do with this episode. The episode itself is actually pretty good. It's based apparently on the first uh, Harry Dresden novel. Um, it's about like a, a bunch of people killed in kind of like a mystical gang war. Um, oh, yeah. And there's like uh, brands and pentagrams are around. So Yeah. And uh, it turns out that like you think this person did it. It turns out this other person did it. Didn't see it coming. Actually, it's a couple of cute little twists. There's a demon from hell who's like actually behind it all, trying to trick people into doing a bunch of stuff. See, introduction of Hellions, finally, after we've already been introduced to Hellions. That's true. Bob is not in the episode or mentioned, even though there are scenes where he would obviously be there, which is weird. Bob is a character in the books. It's not like they invented him but for the, the show. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't weird. put him in the pilot. I guess he. I guess he was extraneous to the plot, and they needed to cut something so they cut Bob. Uh, Harry also has a new girlfriend who he's apparently always had, uh, who, is, <laughs> who is a reporter of some kind who is completely extraneous. Just has to explain a bunch of shit to her. It's clearly mm-hmm. she was going to be that explainy person, but then they realized, well, we already have the detective. You probably don't need two actors, but they actually did. <laughs> That's the irony. Uh, her, her dialogue is painful to listen to. Not because it's bad, not because she delivers it badly, just because it's it has to be blunt to get the information across. Mm-hmm. It's pilot episode it's, dialogue. It's pilot, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, every single line of dialogue is nothing but like the blandest kind of exposition. I wasn't able to track down the two-hour version of this pilot, but I actually really wanted to. Um, it's not available on the DVD for whatever reason. It should have mm-hmm. been. Um, but Because uh, I bet it played better. I bet it played pretty good. It's a, it's a good little detective mm-hmm. plot. I'm not going to run every little twist for you here, but it's, it's actually pretty neat. Okay. The next episodes get a lot better real fast. <laughs> Particularly because the next episode is the best episode of this show, The Other Dick. Which uh, is the one with Samantha or Claudia Black. Claudia Black from Farscape, mm-hmm. uh, which if you haven't watched Farscape, 
Mm. Uh, imagine Firefly, but a ton better. <laughs> like just like I know you like Firefly. And a lot of critters. Farscape, yeah. Farscape is Firefly with a whole bunch of aliens, but they're Jim Henson aliens and they're puppets and they're elaborate and they're cool Jeez. and it gets really clever and very strange. And I love it. And it's one of my favorite shows well, ever. Uh, the the best episodes of this show are the ones that rely on uh, the juxtaposition of Harry's magical powers and the real world. And, yeah, that's uh, the and whole premise, if you think about it's it. It's the premise, but, you know, if, if he's a wizard and he's investigating vampires and we never see the real world, then what's the point of having the real world in there? Exactly. It's just set in a fantasy land. It doesn't matter. It's when he has to deal with, like, some regular frat boy asshole or, like, something, a, a really plain uh, motive, like trying to kill somebody for insurance money mm-hmm. this one he's getting his pi license yeah he it's never like, had it before oh well I, I guess if he's investigating yeah he needs to file with the bureaucracy and i love that kind of stuff yeah where, so, where you're setting the extraordinary up against the just plainly bland so he op- so it opens with him taking a class from a professional private investigator who he actually really likes mm-hmm. private investigator's assistant is played by claudia black Claudia Black's character uh, is not a private detective because she has a criminal record, mm-hmm. so she can't be. But she really loves this private detective because he took her in and it was t- it was nice to her. So when that private detective dies under mysterious magical circumstances, Claudia Black immediately assumes Harry did it. Mm. They hate each other. <laughs> and yet they actually end up teaming up because they both want to catch the real killer. And they're hilarious together. They have the chemistry that clearly they wanted him to have with Valerie Cruz. Yeah. Um, the Valerie Cruz character. They yeah. they uh, banter well. Mm. They get along. And all of a sudden... They get along when they need to get along. They, and they don't when they don't. He is more alive in his scenes with Claudia Black than he is throughout the rest of the series. Well, she's, you can tell that he, is, as an actor, Paul, Paul Blackthorne, is excited that she's there because they have such good chemistry together. They're clearly both excited as actors to be working together well, and finding people that they can work together with. The, the detective character the, the is... The difference is so dramatic. Well, and I think the difference is really partially just structural. Mm. Um, the detective character has to be the giver of plot. Mm. She's, she has her, her, her system and she goes to Harry Dresden because she's kind of helpless in cases that involve magic. Mm. Claudia Black thinks she has all the answers. She thinks she's right all the time. Mm. Often she is. But Harry is right about everything else and she doesn't trust him. She thinks he's an idiot. Mm. So they play off each other great. Yeah. They're both contributing something to the scene and they're pushing each other. They're pressing each other's buttons all the time. And it's like, I love it when they're like, they're interrogating a suspect, but they're like un, like in character, and they're just pushing each other's ad libs, <laughs> just like just like just like, to, to see if you, how, how far you can take the yes and yeah. Like so, like the the episode is actually what it boils down to is uh, there's a fertility clinic that's on a bunch of ley lines. Where ley lines are like these magical markers mm. and geography, um, and on ley lines, magic is more powerful. Uh, and someone is using the fertility clinic to help an incubus impregnate a human woman mm. kind of creepy nicely done uh so they have to go into a fertility clinic and she basically has to in order to like get him pose, off so he can like pose as a couple that it, uh, yeah. it, 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 
she she forces him to pose as an infertile man who has to fill a cup. Yeah, leading to some pretty, pretty awesome, like, awkward, scenes, awkward scenes. Pretty pretty funny stuff. He, and he stumbles into a room still in character. She's not in the room anymore, but he still has to stay in character when he meets other people yeah. to keep the facade. So he like stumbles into a room where like two of his suspects are. And he's like, hey, I'm looking for a place to make a deposit in character. He's like, uh, and you can tell he's really uncomfortable with that. Yeah. It's really, really great. Yeah. The episode ends with, you know, they, they save the day. There's a cool little bit where it turns out that the, like, a bit of the Incubus's soul that was supposed to go inside the baby uh, was captured in a private detective's photograph and that's why the guy was killed mm. like you captured his soul in a photograph oh, like you've I, heard I in the legends for, that, forgot that plot point but yeah. it's a cute little bit I hadn't seen that before in anything that's that's kind of fun um, but at the end Claudia Black gets her private detective's license mm. like he's gonna like help her out magically and let her do that and what a great pilot <laughs> I want to see them team up why and then she just goes mm. No! Come back. <laughs> Keep her. The show stays better from here, actually. I think they started finding their groove, finding a better tone, finding a better balance between magic and private detective stuff. But, yeah, this this is what the show needed mm-hmm. to be the other dick. But uh, then the next episode begins, and he's got a new girlfriend, I guess, who's only in the one scene. Well, he's a new a new romantic conquest, anyway. Oh, well, um, but the, the it starts though. They're cuddling on a couch, watching a French movie, and she's eating popcorn. And the way they're cr- sort of snuggled up, I got the impression that they were supposed to have been together for a while. Um, and of course, the joke of the scene is that Bob no. is standing there watching the movie too. Uh, I, I'm gonna. You're actually thinking of the wrong episode. Oh, am I? Uh, that's actually there is a minor recurring character who appears. In like three episodes who is the waitress at the diner he goes to mm. that he's been dating a little bit that's okay. the waitress that's the waitress that's the waitress that's right. you're getting the episode on. this episode begins with him handcuffed to a bed after a romantic conquest with some lady mm. who then immediately proceeds to steal bob's skull right i want this is the bob goes missing episode and we get to learn a little bit more about the the work dynamic between bob and harry yeah um, uh it turns out bob is kind of a slave yeah, Bob is Bob is is owned. He was owned by Harry's uncle, mm-hmm. um, and, and used to teach Harry the the ropes and then of magic. Har- Harry inherited the skull, so he also inherited Bob. Yeah, and the idea- there's no talk of what Bob needs to do to get free of this. He's just a slave for eternity, there as was, far as we know. There was an earlier mention that there was only one person who ever knew how to get Bob out of the skull. And it was Harry's uncle, and Harry self-defensed him to death. Mm. So in this, so, ep- so Bob's a little bitter about that. A little bitter. Um, and in this episode, Harry's uncle appears to come back, mm-hmm. and, and he gets was the, the one skull who, back. He gets the skull back. And, and it turns now, out now Bob has to do his bidding, and even after that includes killing, uh, hurting Harry. Um, it turns out the twist is uh, it's actually not the uncle; it is the uncle's doppelganger, who the uncle created mm. to help resurrect him if he ever died. And they have to keep on uh, reinforcing that in dialogue. It's like, and, the, and it's my uncle. No, no, it's just a copy. Yeah. My uncle is going, just a copy. Yeah, we get it. We get it. D- doppelganger. Um, so uh, Bob looks like Bob has betrayed Harry. This is where we get Harry's full backstory with his uncle. This is where um, uh, the, the, the detective thinks that Harry killed his uncle and no longer trusts him anymore. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, Bob actually comes back to life. He he betrays Harry, comes back to life, and then as soon as he's back to life, he kills the resurrected uncle, and then he dies, and he goes right back to the skull, because he's just a fucking ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so no harm, no foul. Um, 
You'd think though, if if he if he's back to life, surely that would give him like a second shot. Like he's not bound to, to the skull anymore. Now he has a new skull. You would think he comes to life, and now he's got a new skull in his head. It doesn't have runes on it anymore. So if he think? dies, he would just die. I don't make I don't make the rules up. Jim Butcher does. Okay. <laughs> hey, Jim Butcher. What what if two skulls? <laughs> What if two skulls is to be a shirt that we have? Uh, the second to last episode is called Things That Go Bump. Mm. Uh, in this episode, a bunch of wizards from the council take refuge in Harry's office uh, while, a whole oh, bunch right. of, while a whole bunch of magical black stuff shrouds the whole office. It's basically a whole bunch of death magic. And if anyone goes outside and touches it, they'll die. Mm. And they're all trapped together and no one knows who's responsible. Someone in the building is responsible for all this horrible stuff. And I'm, the entire time I'm like, it's, it's the detective. And uh, really obvious right from the beginning. Also saving a lot of money. One set, no exteriors. Yeah. It's a bottle. It's a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah. Really cheap. But like, so at the beginning of the episode, uh, uh, the detective character comes in just, hey, there's a weird thing happening. Whoa, what's going on with all this magic stuff? And for one episode, they just have to tell her everything. Fuck it. And then she takes it real well. And then like whenever she's off camera, she's killed someone, but for like justifiable reasons. And I'm just like, it's, it's not it's, the real character. We're going to go right back to status quo right after this. Yeah. She's been possessed or her body's been taken over. And it turns out her body's been taken over by a dragon. A really bad CGI looking dragon. Yeah, the CGI on this show is bad unilaterally. There's there's a lot of effects throughout where like people's faces would mutate, but it's that kind of like Photoshop stretch effect yeah. that just never looked good. No. It's what's weird is that there was this period where they kept like I appreciate that it would never look good if they didn't do it. But there was like a long period of time where people kept like really committing mm. to CGI effects when they look like shit. And I'm like, yeah. why are you doing this? Practical effects look so much better and probably take you less time and cost less. It's really confusing it's, to me. It's the way of the future. Remember when like theaters just started like very at the very first started installing digital projectors and they looked terrible and they yeah. were like milky and gross and the the color well, black part, was always like kind of well part of that grainy. was the camera part of that was the camera part of it was the cameras part of it was the projectors it wasn't there yet you yeah. know you could you could see the movie i suppose but film just looked so much better yeah nowadays it really is hard and, to tell yeah, sometimes so, yeah well now now it's you know 4k resolution has surpassed 35 millimeter yeah. by by quite a margin uh okay the last episode of the dresden files is second city mm-hmm uh, and this is the one where Murphy's Detective Murphy's father comes back to Chicago to mm-hmm. investigate uh, a series of strange killings, which may have something to do with his old cases or may have something to do All with right. the hotshot detective who is totally awesome. But the actor who plays the father is fine. And I like mm-hmm. that. He, what, I like the confrontation scene when Cruz finally says, hey, you know, you, you were never really a good dad because you're always on the job. You're always a detective, and every right. time I try to tell you something personal, you try to turn it into some sort of case that needs to be solved. And that the acting he displays in, in that one scene, uh, he really looks really kind of wounded and I actually felt for him in that scene. Which is interesting and because most of the rest of the episode, he's an asshole. He, he's an asshole, but we finally understand who this guy is and the relationship they have and why they're so horrible to each other. So mm. they're both sort of mean, and now I understand them both. And I really liked that scene. There's a whole bit I where don't, he... 
he finds out that his yeah. daughter is like working with this magical con artist, obviously. Yeah. So he goes up to Harry and says, You need to stay away from my daughter. And I liked that Murphy like walked into that scene mm. and she was just like, Fuck you both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? You're just deciding, making all oh, the decisions for me? Screw you. Yeah, the scene. He, he sits down at a diner is like, Okay, so I think I figured this Harry guy out. And she's like, Dad. This isn't a case. I just like working with this guy, and you can say okay and step away, but yeah. no, you can't. Yeah. Um, the problem is, I don't care about Cruz enough to care about her father or relationship with her father. Well, you know what else is weird about Cruz? They mentioned it a couple of well, times. Cruz is the actress's name. Sorry, yeah. with the Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. Uh, we, we do that too often when we use them interchangeably. Sorry yeah. about that. She yeah. keeps talking about how she has a daughter, literally never see her. That's right. Yeah, they, that's I don't know that's why true. she has a daughter. If, if it's never going to come up, mm. if it's never an issue, if it's just like, oh yeah, I got this for my daughter. Is that important? Nope. Oh, no. Is it important later, like in the books? Probably. Well, I have a daughter, but we haven't cast her yet. It's been a really long process, so I'll just keep on bringing gifts Look, home to her we, off if camera. If we bring like a ten-year-old on the show, we're just gonna have to recast her in like a couple of seasons anyway, because she's gonna age faster than any of the other characters. That's what mm. happens. What happened on Lost? <laughs> Walt hit puberty like a ton of bricks, and then there's the continuity was fucked. Yeah, and you yeah. can't do flashbacks with them anymore. So why did we have a kid on the show? We were dumb. <laughs> Um, anyway, the plot is actually this kind of clever thing about this like hero cop who has been killing people who had near-death experiences in order to steal their near-death experience so that he'll have he'll be able to survive deadly things. Yeah, like it, it gives him magic he takes, shield powers. He, he takes their second chance. It's like mm. a luck power or whatever mm. like that. That's kind of clever. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I like sure. that. Yeah, I'm down. Um but it's kind of an inauspicious mm. season finale. There's no cliffhanger. There's no big unresolved things. There's still things we don't know about Harry's past. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like if this was the whole show, and it is, mm. it's pretty tidy. Mm. Um, either you want to see more of these characters or you don't is what it boils down to, which I think is maybe one of the reasons why it was canceled, because no one was like, what happens next? It's more adventures, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Something. Hopefully uh, yeah, Claudia I, Black comes I, back. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't need something dramatic to hook me. Uh, I just need an affable enough show and a good enough premise to keep me coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need a big cliffhanger to whet my appetite for more. Just yeah. give me a good show, and I'll, my appetite will already be whetted. Um, was this show canceled too soon? Uh, here's the thing. There's obvious. <laughs> here, okay, I'm going to say this right now. Uh. If you bring Claudia Black back, it was canceled too soon. <laughs> if you don't, yeah, I think I'm fine. She was only in one episode. But there's no reason why you couldn't bring a character back. Mm. And there's other shows that have brought like other I, characters I don't, back. I don't want her to be recurring. I want her to be the premise of the show. I want her and that's to that's a te- different show. No, I think it's fine. I think you just have her team up with Harry Dresden. Mm. They're partners. Done. All right. And you can still have the other All cop right. or whatever like that to have to deal with other cases, but that's I just want them. They're great together. I want to see more episodes of them together. There's nothing wrong with the private detective wizard gimmick. Mm. That's a perfectly good idea for a TV show. Lord, there was Lord fun, knows we've seen it. Lord knows we've seen it, but there's no, there's no reason why you can't mm. keep doing it. There are fun episodes in this. There's a couple of fun premises. I think there's a lot to the concept, mm. and honestly... I'm kind of interested in reading the books if they're better than this. All like right. I, I'm certainly like would be willing to give it a chance. There's really nothing wrong with it. But mm. man, if this is all they got, and we're not going to have really great moonlighting chemistry with Harry Dresden and a co-star, 
yeah, this is this is fine. I'm fine with this. Yeah, um, this is like a five out of ten. It's right up the middle. Yeah, there's there's nothing extraordinary or terrible about it, and its mediocrity is pissing me off. The more I think about it. <laughs> uh, no, it was not canceled too soon because they didn't bring anything fresh to an old premise. Mm. The character wasn't dynamic enough. The relationships weren't dynamic enough. The aesthetic wasn't even dynamic enough. They didn't yeah. create a strange world that looks different from other wizarding things. I feel like I've seen this in like a dozen movies and a dozen TV shows in the past. It's another one. That is indistinguishable from a lot of things like it. I mean, there were moments I really liked. I did like the Claudia Black episode quite a lot. Uh, I liked Bob a lot. I wish there was more of him in the show. I think Harry himself is kind of the the show's biggest detriment in that he doesn't have enough personality. He doesn't have enough quirk. He doesn't seem to have a point of view as to what's going on in the universe. And you need at least something for me to grab onto something in the character, some sort of interest, some sort of uh, anything, anything for me to really kind of root for the guy rather than just have him be bland white male hero. You didn't find it uh, brooding, seductive and smart. As it says on the back of the DVD case. Yeah, there's nothing brooding about this, is this not, show. This is not brooding. They use the word seductive when they're trying to imply that there's sex in it. There's no sex in this show. There's, there's some clever episodes. There, it's not there's, really super smart. There's some, yeah. There's And in terms of smart, no, it's not clever. It's just sort of average. Yeah. It's average in every way. And I, I can do without an average show. Well, <laughs> it has its fans, and one of whom actually donated this episode to mm-hmm. us uh, from, from uh, Topher. Uh, could this go 100 episodes? Absolutely. The book series is still going and has only gotten stronger and stronger. One of the best characters ever and a highlight for Paul Blackthorne. Well, again, maybe he's mm. better in the books. Uh, Topher actually also sent us uh, mm. a letter more recently uh-huh. uh, to sort of follow up on that and give his two cents. So let's read that now. Uh, if you want to email us, our email is canceledtosoon at gmail.com. You can send us suggestions, questions. Do you remember watching these shows when they came mm. out? Have any, any ideas? Uh, about where the shows could have gone, just let us know. Mm. Okay. Dear Bibbs and Whitney, ye wizards of the magic box, I am so thrilled that you're reviewing The Dresden Files. I watched it when it was on, and I've watched it many times since. I'm a fan of the show and a fan of the books. I know many fans of the books didn't like the show. A number of details were changed with the show, but I recognize why that was necessary in many cases. The books quickly escalate into massive set-piece battles with entire armies. You're not going to do that on a TV budget. I like that the show focused on small magic and that it was always in service of solving a case. So yes, it was different, but I think it stands on its own. I like the tone, the mystery, the twists. The show has the opportunity to take every variant on a mystery story and put a small magical spin on it. It also has the opportunity to take every magical story and put a mystery twist to it, like how the Hand of Glory is used in Episode 7. That's the Walk Through Walls episode. Mm. The list is endless. Although the show can't follow the books in scope or scale, they do offer some great pointers to where the show could have gone. We are introduced to the Red and Black Courts in Episode 5. That's uh, the various different magical schools and places uh but in later seasons we can meet the white court or more importantly dresden's vampire half brother okay Uh, i'm interested start with that (laughs) next time lead with that we could be introduced to dresden's friend michael carpenter who is literally god's warrior on earth and more importantly his daughter molly who becomes dresden's apprentice dresden gets a dog 
a magic dog, of course. Of course. Dresden gets possessed, which is handled incredibly in the books. Even though the show is very different from the books, I found it incredibly enjoyable, and I was devastated when it got canceled. This was definitely canceled too soon. And I think that's a, a good to point out where... If you're a pre-existing fan of something, mm. you might have a better grasp on why it's great than even the showrunners do. Yeah. And maybe you're seeing the good in it that people who aren't super familiar with it, like you and me, I don't think they really sold newbies mm. on it. Like, why is this show great? Why could it be great? So there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, you know, when you're a fan of the book, you know, books have the, the time and the leisure to really sort of flesh out the world and add to a lot of mythology. So <clears throat> when you're going into a TV show, you are you have that pretense, you sort of backed up with that knowledge, and you know that the world it takes place in is more interesting than what is on screen. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're actually taking a lot for granted in that case. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like, you know, you, you show me an episode and say, hey, that's, it, it takes place on a desert planet and it's just two people bickering, but it's Star Trek. It's like, oh, well, I know Star Trek. I know this vast world that it's connected to, so I can kind of put it into a better context. But if it was a show of nothing but that episode, yeah, then I'd, I'd be a little bit impatient. All right, let's read another uh, letter. Okay. Um, you got one? I got one. This okay. one comes from Joey Cruel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, Joey Cruel. Um, hi, I'm the host of Relentless Flashback and Radio Show. Uh, now it's only in Italian, sadly, a show that uh, in every episode covers just one year. I was doing research on the year 1992, and I bumped into Tequila and Bonetti. Back in 1993, when it arrived in Italy, I never missed an episode, but it was <laughs> it was a one-way ride. There were so many things that worked that clashed with so many things that didn't work at all. And then I found your show, and I listened to your episode on Tequila and Bonetti, and I heard your call. The Italian version was never dubbed, and it's just a plain disaster like all TV series from Italy. The girl, Alessia Marcuzzi, isn't an actress, and she's just a showgirl that cannot act, so it's so sad if you think about Mariska Hargitay and the rest of the actors that are bad, too. Uh, among my favorite TV shows, I noticed a weird trend. Yes, there are 80s shows that got canceled too soon, like Police Squad, Quantum Leap, or the weird kid video but almost every tv show after the ni- after 1991 that i liked was canceled too soon list the briscoe the adventures of briscoe county jr do south early edition the lone gunman hunter 2003 joey my name is earl and the sarah Con- chronic sarah connor chronicles uh eight on 11 shows and if i didn't count the ones that are still on tv it's eight on nine it's like oh you finally found something like sorry it's canceled Thank you for your show and all your researches, Joey Cruel. Thank you. Mm. Um, Here's one from Adam. Mm -hmm. Dear Bibbs and Whitney, my wife is out of town and I don't have anyone to share the news with, so I'm writing to you. Congratulations. Well, hold on. (laughs) I got a raise. Yay! Uh, Strangely enough, in a job I've been planning to quit for a few years now, but they just won't let me go. And working bad is against my principles, so I'm stuck. (laughs) Stop right there. Been there. Oh, we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, my 100-mile commute continues, but I'm not complaining. Life's awesome, and I can keep on listening to tons of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Great attitude. Uh, Anyway, I can now finally afford to support you on Patreon. I'm your proud patron number 67. That's a good number. Sorry, I can't give... That was my Boy Scout troop. There you go. It was Boy Scout troop 67. Sorry, I can't give more for now. I will work on this. You're doing great. 
Seriously, don't. Just, just, just listening is fine. That, that you've bothered to give us anything at all is ev- a compliment enough. Every little bit is appreciated. Really, we mm. know as much as we would love to make a living doing this, we don't want to break anyone's back. Mm. All right, we're okay. All right. Uh, also, here's kind of a backstage question. In your opinion, what was the most ridiculous gimmick that actually caught on on TV? Talking dog crime drama, a cop teaming up with a robot, a psychic, something else. Cheers, mm. Adam. Uh, I am still completely baffled mm. that reality TV became a thing. <laughs> I don't mean like a talk show mm. or informational series or even something like Fishing with John, which is like a travel log, which is a really like, I mean, it was quirky, but the basic premise is mm. we fish in different places. I mean the insulting sociological experiment. That that's still going on to this day. Yeah, like everything from like I, I get the idea behind Big Brother. I can't believe it's still on. <laughs> I can't believe Survivor is still on. Like mm. I, that, I just can't. Like a game show, like a proper game show, like uh, uh, like America's Got Talent or something like that. I'm like, that's a star search. That doesn't surprise mm. me at all. Like the ones that are just sort of like cruel to the human experience. You know, the, like the, they're the just entire, sort of degrading to everyone who's on it. I don't get it. It's an entire generation of television that was based squarely and shamelessly in Schadenfreude. We're tuning in because we hate the people on the show and we want to see them make asses of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there are exceptions to this rule that are really yeah. wonderful programs. It's fine. Overall, though, it was this sort of just like, hey, you got a nasty idea for a practical mm-hmm. joke. We can get eight, eight seasons out of that. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like Honey Boo Boo. Do people love honey boo boo like do they find inspiration in her story or are they tuning in because they just like watching these people snipe at each other it's, and they don't like them that makes me sad yeah i, yeah, I can't i, I can't watch it's and that's something that come came out of sort of the youtube generation as well oh, before that we're looking uh, at the real world and shit well yeah you know? but i mean like I, the I'm 90s ta- gave birth to that i'm talking about the 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 cruelty that's attached to it um yeah. uh, i forgot the guy's name but he made the leave britney alone video oh yeah um uh, a friend of mine showed that to me. It's like, hey, look at this this fool making ass of himself. It's like, why are you coming at me like that? I don't – this man is like pouring his heart out to me. This is actually sort of a, a, a tragic thing that's happening. See, He's moved to this passion. Okay. I can't laugh at that guy. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, that's how I feel about The Room. <laughs> that right there. That's how I feel. This mm. is this guy lashing out and mm. you, you look at it purely objectively without any sort of – Heart, like it's mm. it's it's funny, yeah. But and and it, it's a little funny, like it's certainly bizarre. But at the same time, watching him, like this poor guy, yeah, <laughs> like a real thing, and we're all laughing at him. Like it's mm. kind of sad, and then yeah. like I can't help but have a heart for that. So mm. that's that's it. For me. Do you have any others? Uh, yeah, here's here's a letter. This one okay. comes from. Oh, geez, it's a long one. Uh, it's got a list. This one comes from Dan, one of our many Daniels. Uh, hi, Whitney and Bibbs. It's me again, Daniel. One of them anyways. Okay. I'd like to offer a rebuttal on two things recently said by Bibbs on the show. First, oh he said there are not as many superhero shows that fit your criteria as I might think. I accepted that challenge. <laughs> and I'd like to submit to you that there are more than you realize. I've compiled a list of... 60 superhero shows that lasted one season or less that I will append to this email. We're not going to read the whole list. Not the whole list. Uh, You guys seem to have forgotten that superhero shows were a staple of children's TV for a long time, and as such, there are many animated and live-action kids' shows in this genre, in addition to many obscure and forgotten primetime shows. I left off any show that I could remember remember you mentioning, such as The Cape and the Bionic Woman reboot, mm-hmm. any shows that are likely to have many requests for the, like the live-action The Tick. I also omitted any Super Friends show, as many iterations of it only lasted a single season, but they all share characters and some continuity. 
The second thing I would like to rebut is his assertion that no one remembers Deadly Games. <laughs> I remember Deadly Games. It's actually a pretty fun show. It featured a, a physicist whose experiment brings to life the characters in his homemade video game, and he has to hunt them down with his friends and his ex-wife. The series has a couple of minor flaws. <laughs> really? No shit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> such as its misunderstanding of how video games and the internet worked, but it's a fun show overall. All of the bad guy characters in the video game were based on real people who were antagonist antagonistic to the main character in real life. The main bad guy, played by a Hemi, Christopher Lloyd, was based AKA on... Christopher Lloyd. A.K.A. Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> so Christopher Lloyd, in other words, was based on his father. Another that was another was based on his childhood bully, etc., etc. The series featured a strong supporting cast, and many of the bad guys were played by great guest stars like Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, and Anthony Michael Hall. The show's biggest flaw was its main character. You were supposed to feel sorry for him seeing all these people who bullied him in life. Instead, he came off like a whiny douchebag who is more responsible for all the trouble, all of his own troubles than anyone else. Anyway, that's, that's I, the same complaint I have with high fidelity. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, like at, at the end of, of jerk at, high fidelity. at the end of one of his breakups, he's like, yeah, you know what? There's no animosity here. This is not a bad breakup. This is just a relationship I had. Um, anyways, I just wanted to get this off his chest. I'm loving the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Daniels. Uh, so uh, let's cherry pick a few of these. because uh, We're not going to read all 60. Superhuman, like, sumer, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. I almost forgot that there. existed. Ultra Force. Ultra Force. Uh, Generation yeah. X I have on VHS. We're going to get to that at some uh, point. Uh, Super President. I want to track down the whole thing. Super President is one of the funniest animated shows ever. I actually have several episodes, but uh, it's basically he's the super he's a he's a pre, he's a superhero who's also the president. But they treat it like it's a secret identity. His name is Super President. I wonder who he is. <laughs> president, Super President, you're needed. Hold on, I need to go do something. You need to be Super President. No, 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 not me. There were, it looks like there were three failed Fantastic Four series. Uh, yep. Um, Silver Surfer, we've got that. We're going to do that yeah, someday um, down the line. Ooh, uh, we're going to have to do Wildcats at some point, oh. and Wildcats is garbage. Okay. Like, it is steaming, flaming crap, that show. It is so bad. Okay, we got Blade the series. Mm -hmm. We have that one as well. Uh, I don't know. There was a pilot for Batgirl. Okay, that's kind of fun. I'll have to look into that. Uh, of course, Captain Power is on this list. I think we have Street Hawk. I've been looking for the whole season mm -hmm. of Captain Power and the Soldiers of the future uh, we have robocop this series uh jack of all trades i think actually technically lasted two seasons well, i, I love to, jack of all trades though i want to do captain scarlet and the mysterium i want to do uh at, at least one or two jerry anderson shows oh, absolutely uh, jerry and sylvia anderson uh, shows i am looking for turbo teen turbo teen is a story of a teenager mm -hmm. who when he's splashed with water turns into a car yeah and i think his girlfriend drives him and he's a stick shift it's weird. <laughs> Watch just look up uh, look at like a clip of like him transforming online if you get a chance. Just Turbo Teen. So strange. One of the speaking weirdest of, damn things ever. Speaking of Wolfman episodes, but he turns into a, a Corvette. Uh, I met Turbo Teen. Uh, he came to my school. Ooh. We had a school assembly, and we our big special guest who was going to talk to the entire school was the guy who played Turbo Teen. That's he also awesome. he was also the voice of Droopy at the time, so he That's got amazing. to do some funny voices and. Even at the time, you know, like he's telling us about being a, a voice actor, and it's really, really cool, and he's doing some voices, and that, we thought that was really cool. And he tells some stories, but he would stop the stories he was telling to sing a song, and we realized, the entire school of children realized that he was hawking his record. <laughs> oh, my God. And 
luckily, I think the the principal stopped him before he like pulled out some CDs to sell to the the kids oh, on the way, the cassettes on the way out. That is tacky. Yeah. All right. Uh, another letter. This one's from Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Bibbs and Whitney. I was listening to the Roar episode and was like, finally, I get to use my studies of Roman barbarian relationships at university to good use. So here are a couple of things you might find interesting from a historical point of view on Roar. And mm-hmm. if you missed our episode on Roar, it was a Heath Ledger adventure series about Irish teens fighting off a Roman invasion. Also, there's magic. <laughs> uh, let's go. Uh, Rome would not have been in Ireland at the time of Roar because they never invaded Ireland. Also, they left the British Isles in AD 410 to shore up the uh, the Western Roman Empire in places like Gaul. Romans did have an influence in Ireland, but not as a territory. The Romans were far more concerned with the Picts in Scotland, hence Adrian's Wall. Rome was largely Christian at the time of Roar, so were many barbarian tribes, i.e. the Goths had their own brand, either Gothic or Aryan Christianity, named after the theologian Arius, who was a Berber, by the way. Ireland would have been largely Christian at the time of Roar. This is seen when Palladius became a bishop in Ireland in 431. He preceded St. Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> Romans actually had a so this show just whizzed it down its leg, didn't it? The Romans actually had a lot of admiration for barbarian or Celtic tribes because they were hearty and strong. This was intermixed with Roman racism, but how Romans viewed race then is different from how we view it today. I think Tacitus wrote about this. He did. Mm. Uh, he feared that Rome was becoming more like Eastern barbarians, who were barbarians except squishier and weak, which is funny because the Parthians killed the Roman emperor, defeated a Roman army, and sent it back to them stuffed. <laughs> Rome had a lot of dealings with Celts. They had to Britain, France, Spain, and portions of Germany were all eventually citizens, and some barbarian tribes who crossed Roman borders in Rome's dwindling years actually fought with Roman Empire against the Huns. Two more. The Romans' desire to classify things is an issue because rubber stamps on a loose conglomeration of tribes makes things a little messy as a lot of these tribes moved around a lot, and the idea of borders difficult, particularly when archaeology is concerned. And lastly, the term Celt is very broad, so Celts aren't necessarily Irish, for example. Celts could be Gauls, Celts could be Abdanians, what Heath Ledger actually was probably, or even Celt-Iberian, and barbarian was a broad term to something that wasn't Roman, but it wasn't always a slur. Sometimes it was a temporary term to call a Celtic tribe until they simply figured out what tribe they were. I I knew that about the the barbarians, um, Mm. that... uh, there, there have been volumes and volumes written about, written by Roman scholars about how the word barbarian in English has come to be kind of, uh, we think of Conan the Barbarian. We think yeah. of like a, a shirtless warrior who drinks beer out of a horn. Uh, a, a barbarian, yeah, was just somebody who wasn't part of the Roman Empire yet. Yeah, just someone. It, it was kind of a blanket term. And some Romans did use it sort of as a slur, but mostly it was just descriptive. Mm-hmm. Right, we got one letter left. Yeah. You want to catch up? Sure. Okay, this is from Stephen. Stephen Holman. Uh, Hi, Stephen. Dear esteemed hosts, I will apologize in advance if this letter is a little all over the place, but I will try to be as concise as possible. First, I've seen a few episodes of The Inspectors, and honestly, I once was in a lengthy discussion with a woman while waiting to get my oil changed because of this show. She kept on trying to convince me that Terry Serpico was Anthony Michael Hall. (laughs) Uh, for those who were wondering, mm. The Inspectors is a show we talked about a few episodes ago uh, that is about the United States Postal Service Asset Forfeiture and Consumer Fraud Awareness Groups. They're postal inspectors. Mm-hmm. They basically just do crimes involving the mail. Mm. This is a long-running crime show. 
Yep. Amazing. Big hit. Uh, secondly, well, maybe not big hit. Uh, secondly, I mentioned in my last letter that I loved TV Guide, and I actually still have some that I collected over the years. I still have the four collector covers in honor of the last episode of Seinfeld. I also have the last TV Guide published in the 90s. On the cover was the show that a show that lasted only one season called Now and Again. It starred Eric Close and Dennis Haysbert about a family who family man who dies in an accident and his brain is transplanted into a genetically bioengineered body. I think we have that in probably our library. Dennis Haysbert. I think we have that in our library, actually. So I think we'll get that. That does sound familiar. Yeah. Uh, lastly, I've always been a fan of variety shows, and I know that it would be hard to review a variety show due to a lack of narrative, but there have been so many failed variety and sketch shows that I think it would be fun to review on. There's The Dana Carvey Show, The Wayne Brady Show, The Brady Bunch Variety Hour, which we have access to, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, Mary, the variety show starring Mary Tyler Moore that featured David Letterman and Michael Keaton. The Leslie Uggams Show. Or I didn't know the blind lady from Deadpool was so talented show. Uh, the Glenn Campbell Music Owl, the Smothers Brothers show, Maya and Marty, and countless others. And anyway, it might be worth a look. Once again, thank you for the entertainment, Steve. Yeah, we're, we're interested in branching out. We, we do like the narrative shows because they're kind of easy to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And that even goes to sitcoms as well, which we need to do more of. We keep saying we will, and eventually we will. Uh, but yeah, we want to do variety shows. We were thinking about doing the Dana Carvey show if we could track it all down. You wanted to do... The Chevy Chase show. Yeah. That was a big one for you. Well, just because I remember watching it and I remember it being really terrible and I'd love to dredge it up. I want to do, there's actually like a ton of failed Brady Bunch spinoffs. There's like Mm. the Brady Wives (laughs) and the Brady Brady Bunch Variety Hour. I want to do all of them Uh, at some point. can we, we? We should probably cram it all into like a month. Do a, oh yeah, do a, be a theme month. Do a yeah, I think month. so. Someone suggested once that we do a, a whole series called "Before They Were Friends," mm. because almost every one of the main actors on Friends was in at least one failed one season wonder series before they were on Friends. I think the only one who wasn't was Lisa Kudrow. Mm. I think all of the others was in were, were in at least one failed series before Friends. You know, it's five weeks. We could do that. There's yeah. five Friends. Absolutely. So uh, we we have ideas. Um, (laughs) Not all of them good, but we'll go with them anyway. Uh, We have one more episode that we're going to do. We're going to try to cram it in before uh, the end of January. Uh, That's uh, one last poll from our Patreon subscribers. Uh, The poll was, eek, the internet. Turns out there were a whole bunch of shows in the 90s and early 2000s about how the internet was going to kill us all. And I was actually surprised to learn that almost all of them were on Fox. Fox was, had an in for the internet. Weird, I don't know why. Weird angle that they had to play. Yeah, so we had stuff like virtuality and harsh realm. And the winner uh, is uh, a show that's basically the X Files by way of the Blair Witch Project. In fact, it was produced from the producers of the Blair Witch Project. Mm. Uh, Freaky Links. So next up on Cancel Too Soon, we'll be reviewing Freaky Links about a bunch of paranormal investigators who have a website. What? How edgy are the links? Freaky? We're going to find out, sir. We're going to find out. Freaky Link sounds like a surfer slang to describe a bad hot dog. (laughs) Man, stay away from the Freaky Links. Those things ain't good for you. Um, So that's coming up next week. Um, You can also listen to us on Critically Acclaimed, our podcast on the Schmoes No iTunes feed, or uh, that show is also available on the SK Plus YouTube channel. Uh, You can check us out on patreon.com slash cancel too soon for more polls uh, for our bonus episode, the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. 
on which we review TV movies, miniseries, specials, one-offs, stuff that doesn't really fit the criteria of the show, but does mm. seem thematically related. Uh, this month, we're going to try to record it this weekend, uh, reviewing the sci-fi TV miniseries Intruders. Whitney, you want to tell them a little bit about what that is? Uh, Intruders was a pre-X-Files alien abduction uh, story. Uh, it was a ran, I think, over the course of three nights. It had uh, Richard Crenna in it as the, the brave psychiatrist who investigates a, a pair of women who have both encountered alien abductions. Uh, it was based on the Bud Hopkins book that uh, wasn't quite as popular as Whitley Stryber's Communion, but was kind of in the same camp. We couldn't get the rights to Communion. We did Intruders. Uh, Communion was already a movie at that's that point. That's my point. We so, couldn't yeah. get it, so we did Intruders. <laughs> there we go. Um, so that that's coming mm-hmm. up there. Um, and uh, we are on Twitter at CancelledCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, thank you, everybody, for contributing, for writing in, for voting for these episodes. And that is a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. <laughs>